0: Well, I've spruced up and polished the old podcast. Looks rather splendid, doesn't it? And it should all work fine once everything's run in. A podcast is more than a machine, it's, it's like a person. It needs coaxing, persuading, encouraging. I wonder where everyone else is. Let's have a look on the time space visualiser. Oh, look! It's Andrew Ireland walking around his university campus. Hang on. What's that big black obelisk thingy flying through the air towards him?
1: Ah! A twinge of cosmic angst, as if I'd lost something. I'm sorry, you're not allowed in this podcast. Not allowed? Me? I'm allowed everywhere. Good heavens. Is it really you?
2: Yes, yeah. For once. I was able to steer my schedule, and here I am. Not too late, am I? What for? Anniversary
1: special. How do you know about that?
2: I uh, read the reviews on Gallifrey
1: Base. But we haven't recorded it yet. Next week's Gallifrey Base. Oh. What's this photo? Oh, you know, Jack. She was on the podcast while you were away. Uh, I'm a bit worried she might replace me.
2: Ah, yes. Well, my replacement was pretty unpromising. Spent most of the time talking about Reedy on the loo?
1: Come along, Giles. Let's take a stroll round the grounds, shall we? Hmm.
2: Yeah. You've uh, had this studio redecorated, haven't you? Don't like it.
1: Macra. Autons. We've seen some times, Giles. And the Naimon. Don't forget the Naimon. As if I could. And the terrible to doon. The what?
2: Uh, oh, yeah, you weren't concerned with them, were you? They happened in the future, although it's now the past. They were uh, covered in spacesuits and stomped around like rhinos, going bomo, o fo, wo, fo. Oh dear, Paul! I think our past is catching up with us, or maybe it's our future. Come on, run! No.
0: Great chunks of my past, detaching themselves like melting icebergs. Don't worry, I'll have it all worked out soon. Everything's alright. Everything's quite alright. Great
1: Balls of Fire! Good old Bessie.
0: I am being diminished, whittled away, piece by piece. A man is the sum of his memories, you know. A podcast host even more so. Ah, I have to find, to find, my other podcasters.
2: With something as simple as a podcast, nothing can go wrong. No coordinates, no dimensional stabilisers, nothing. Just the computer, some software, a trained voice and a decent microphone.
1: Oh, hello. We've landed. According to Audacity, we're nowhere, in no time.
2: Richard must have forgotten to reconnect
1: something. No, the software's all working perfectly. It just won't tell us anything. Something who is paralysed! What do we do now?
2: Look! (gasps) The Dark Tower! We're
1: on Gallifrey! The podcast zone. What have we bought
0: here? Instinct tells me it's time to record... Something Who Anniversary Special. Let's do it! Hello and welcome back to Something Who. And after a couple of episodes breaking from our traditional format, it's back to normal this time. So here are the fantastic Paul. Hello. Sorry, I had a mouthful of coffee there. <laughs> and after a brief hiatus, Giles. Hello. I didn't have a mouthful of whiskey. Yeah. Uh, you were you were bigged up, Giles, by both Jack and Tim uh, uh, on the last podcast. Uh, my ears are burning.
1: Yeah. Any of them, uh, them mentioned me?
0: Oh. Who are you again? You're actually on the podcast, Paul, so uh, it, people were, t- were too embarrassed to say how great you are in front of you. Oh. But, you know, next time you're away, we'll, we'll say how fantastic you oh, are. Oh, okay. See, that's the answer to getting ahead. Meanwhile, thanks to those who entered our season 23 giveaway and for the nice comments that you made about the podcast that came with some of those entries. So so thanks very much for that. Uh, it's always good to hear what you think. And of course, if you like our podcast, it'd be great if you could uh, rate and review us at the usual places, but also tell other people about us. Anyway, keep your feedback coming to us, either by Twitter or email, and we'll do our best to respond to it. In the meantime november is anniversary season so this time we're doing a two-part special on anniversary stories so in this part we're going to look at the three doctors and the five doctors and then next time we'll come back and talk to you about day of the doctor so three and five doctors if we start with the three doctors Hmm, there's some logic to that (laughs) i might have seen this when it aired because I was five at the time, but I don't have any memory of seeing it. The first thing I do recall is that it was mentioned uh, quite significantly in the Doctor Who monster book, um, Terence Dix, which came out, what, 1976, I think, and then almost immediately after that, the Target book arrived with the the novelisation. So I remember those both quite solidly. And then it came to our screens in 1981 as part of the Five Faces season. So, so I, I certainly remember that quite clearly, and, and maybe you two would have seen that as well. Mm. Yes. yes, definitely.
2: I guess that was my yeah that was my first. It already had legendary connotations from having having read about it that there was this amazing story where the doctors came together, and obviously the fact that that was included in the Five Faces season when we found out what was going to be in it
1: was terrifically exciting. Mm. Yeah, double Pertwee, of course. Yes, mm. yes. Double consecutive we. Yeah, interesting. Mm. I know that that was partly um, down to the fact that they they were restrained to the four parts. the same reason we got Crotons,
0: but um, mm. I thought it was a lovely selection. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, it, I mean, it was fantastic because until that point, certainly as far as I was concerned, I hadn't seen anything pre pertwee So to to get um, an earthly child and Crotons, regardless of. of what people think of the Crotons, it, it, it was fantastic to be able to see things from that era. Mm.
2: Yes, a curious things just occurred to me at this moment, and it's it's slightly jumping ahead. But the fact that, ironically, yes, the Five Doctors is a kind of a monsters ripoff, isn't it? <laughs>
0: mm. It is. It is kind it's,
2: of. It's got the scoop. Very Interesting.
1: I wonder what was happening in Terence's brain that brought that about.
2: Yeah, mm. it just it's just suddenly you mentioning, you pointing out the consecutive
0: stories, and I suddenly thought, hang on, yeah. Mm. It, it's interesting also, I, I think, with The Three Doctors, I mean, it is, it is kind of a proper four-part story, a, a proper third Doctor story that, that happens to have recurring elements from, from Doctor Who history in it, rather mm. than maybe something that, that yeah. was specifically <clears throat> written. I can't remember whether I went into it expecting an epic.
1: I've got. I think I'd remember if I had and if I'd been disappointed so I can only assume that that wasn't the case that I was just treating it as another story even mm. even though you know there was the excitement of just seeing something that was wow can you believe eight years old at that point mm. <laughs> but, um, but no I don't think I went in expecting a, a grandiose epic which is interesting I guess the uh, everything I'd read about it had treated it in the same way that although it was in inverted commas, the nominally the tenth anniversary special. It wasn't considered to be a special with a capital S, mm, as yes. we later became familiar with.
0: Yeah, and I think I mean the Target book resolves many of the issues of the story in that. So, so some of the of the drawbacks of the, of the Three Doctors are that it has a a, a huge imagination in it and you know there's there's lots of things that are kind of hard to realize in a in a studio in the 1970s that that in a target book terence sticks can describe in in a more epic way so so i think you know perhaps the book does have a slightly more epic feel to it than the the television story Mm. well
2: it's very classically bob baker and dave martin in that regard isn't it Two writers who were never really, um, never really let themselves be constrained by the practicalities of what was actually going to be able to be achieved on the BBC budget in the mid 1970s.
1: Mm. Strange how um, how they were considered a reliable, safe pair of hands. They kept getting asked back year after year after <laughs> year. <laughs> not through the Barry Letts era, the Hinchcliffe era, into the Williams era. Astonishing. Mm. If they caused that much trouble, I can only assume that they didn't. That people sort of roll their eyes and think. OK, you've done it again, but it just was a bit of tweaking required mm. rather than a page-run rewrite. Mm. Is this only their second story after... After Axos? After Axos. Mm. Hang on. No, no uh, I'm Oh, it's, it's Mutants.
0: Yes, right, OK. Yeah, but it's, it's relatively early.
1: Well, mm. The choice was behind giving it to them. Mm. Not that I'm in any way suggesting that, it, <laughs> that they would have been looking for a more prestigious writer for this you know this epic important 10th anniversary story i think that's mm. the whole we're reiterating the same point it was just um another story even though it was the important season mm. opener
0: it's it's interesting that, that even at this stage in doctor who's history it's quite heavy on on the on the mythos you know you, you get you get a bit more on the time lords and on their origin story and we think about jnt era as being the one that you know ev- everything has to be always looking back to the past but maybe this, I mean, with, with the exception, perhaps, of, of the war games when they sort of tackle the Doctor's past, this is perhaps the first time they start trying to give the Doctor a place in the universe and, and to examine um, his people and what they're up to. And um, Without getting ahead of ourselves, I think the biggest
1: difference between 3 and 5, and possibly between this era and, you know, the 80s, I'll avoid saying the T era, is that mm-hmm. this story isn't really about nostalgia. It's not really about looking backwards. To the extent that it looks backwards, it looks back four years to the war games. Yeah. But it does something new. It has a, a big new piece to the mythology. Yes, and that's true. And, and that new element is not only the uh, the biggest contribution to the series mythos, if you want to put it that way, it's also the best bit of the story. He His character, his arc, is the bedrock of the whole thing. And it's, and it's very clever and it's very moving. And the whole thing revolves around him.
3: Hmm, hmm.
1: It's a plot device, really, that he has to be a Time Lord and and more than just a Time Lord because he needs to be a threat big enough to require three Doctors to face. Mm. So you could either go one way and have a billion Daleks as the threat that's that, that big or mm. you create a single character with that sort of weight behind him.
0: Yes. And
1: luckily for us, they they went in the correct direction. <laughs> uh, yes, it's, it's interesting because, as, as you say, the fact it's... Um...
2: It's very much. It's one of these kind of torn from the headlines stories in some ways. In that, um, in that, it's definitely it's basing itself on cutting edge science of the time. You know, with my with my doctor science hat on, like the possibility of black holes mm. as real things was only just becoming a a real staple of popular science at mm. that time. Obviously, they've been predicted since since the nineteen fifteen, you know, nineteen tens, nineteen twenties. But I think it was the early seventies, certainly. So probably predating this, that Cygnus X1 was discovered, which was a candidate black hole object, and that that gave it a huge, there of a huge boost in public consciousness. That um, someone said, "Well, we've actually found one of these things potentially tearing a pieces." So it was very, it's very much you know that that sort of thing, and. And you got stuff to do with antimatter and all of this.
1: You know, it's was that hmm. genuine scientific thinking then? Uh, apologies if it still is. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. that There would be a universe of antimatter behind a black hole, or um, not was that really? Bob and Dave's idea? No, they just completed two two big scientific ideas at the time. Had they and put them together?
2: Yes, I think I think so. I'd be yeah. I don't, I don't know. I need to go back and pick up a couple of. I should go back and pick up a couple of pop science books from the time and. Um, and see what they were thinking at that, at that time, because it's quite often interesting to, you do get ideas that kind of come and go from fashion. So whether anyone put two and two together and said, oh, well, you know, our universe is missing all the antimatter that should have been created alongside the matter in the Big Bang, and therefore what if it's on the other side of, my, what if that's where black holes go? Mm. is um, It's not completely outlandish thinking in terms of, how one might, you know, you might be able to spin together a theory that would put two and two together and make five in that way. Mm-hmm. And as you say, the, the whole, the way it's framed and so on, I And mean, the, the start of it's quite eerie with Hollis, the disappearance and the, the flapping weather balloon and all of that, all of that malarkey. And again, as you say, it starts in the vein of, you know, it's a classic Pertwee set setup, yeah. really, isn't it? Olis, well, bless him, is in that vein of characters that <laughs> that uh, includes all the... Um, what's his name from Spearhead from Space? Yeah, and, it seems to been be And the dear deal? Big Ben? Josh?
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. At, at the start of the story, yeah, the 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 guy with the weather balloon turns up. Or Tyler turns yes. up, and he seems remarkably concerned about the fact that that Alice has gone missing. And then he starts calling Unit. I mean, it seems odd that Unit would be contacted about a missing person. It does. Unit
1: tends to behave a bit differently in Baker and Martin's stories (laughs) than how it does in all the others. Mm. It's part of my grand theory about how there are different types of perkwee stories. Sometimes I think there's only two different types, and I don't mean... Space and Earth. <laughs> I mean four-parters and six-parters. If you look at it, it's much more the case that the four-parters are a completely different beast from the six-parters. I won't go into that tonight, thank uh, thank goodness. Um, <laughs> I can hear all our listeners crying in unison. But there are some strange crossover stories, and C- *Clause of Axos* is one. It's mm. it's got the setup of a typical Unit Six parter, but it's boiled down to four episodes, which makes gives a very unique atmosphere. And here we have a similar sort of thing. A rare example of a, a a combination of unit and space in in only four parts, which mm. which means we get some different a different sort of setup. And basically, when unit is in a shorter story, they seem to be they lose some of the solidity and believability that they get when we see them mm. across six whole episodes. I don't know why those two episodes make the difference, but they seem a bit more gimmicky. And um, and uh, maybe it's maybe it's Baker and Martin as well. Maybe they just didn't care about mm. the the realities of this sort of quasi international, pl- um.
2: yes. If you've, if you've got six episodes to to do, you can spend that much longer setting up the mystery and and finding a plausible have a have a, have a couple of extra story beats in there to um to in to get to the weirdness that then gets the doctor and and units involved, I suppose.
1: And there's no real, I mean, you put your finger on it. There's, there's no real reason for Unit to be here. Except it's the anniversary, so we want them. We want mm-hmm. them in. But I mean, the difference between four and six parts is why, in a lot of the early poetries, even the seven parts, we get an attempt to create um, realistic government figures, or mm-hmm. and we and whereas in *Clause of Access*, we get the buffoonish uh, Mister Chin. Mm. Yeah, and and it's the same in other areas. I mean, some people. Wrong, wrong people think that this is the start of the Brigadier becoming dumbed down, some sort of cartoonish Colonel Blimp figure. Mm. That, like you said, his brain surgically removed, or where he refuses to believe he's on an alien planet is sort up of wittering about Chroma. Um, I, I have no problem with it. Uh, it is slightly inconsistent with his earlier, mm. <laughs> with the earlier Brigadier, but it's just part of the general direction the, the series was moving. The mm. whole unit family thing, as they all settle down in a unit family, in a comfortable unit pipe and slippers mode. Mm. Everything becomes less Mm. less real politic. And it's all... Yeah, it's not once it's the better for it,
0: but it's a a different kind of good. Yeah, I mean, it feels a little bit like the Brigadier's turned into Captain Mannering in this one. (laughs) In that he's, he's, he's a little bit... So I mean I don't know if buffoon is right, but 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 he, he he's quite pompous and he's got his. He, I mean he's he's consistent in the in the course of the story in terms of you know he's got his explanation for what's going on and 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 he sort of he carries on in that particular way. But yeah, the fact that that he's you're not prepared to listen to what the doctor's saying is is um, is a bit unusual. But then also the doctor's in a funny mood the whole story as well. He's, he's, he seems to be the most Terribly bad mood, and he's he's sort of angry with everybody the whole time, not just um, the second Doctor. Is that right, Giles? You've watched it more recently than I have.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's given me food for thought. I hadn't really hadn't really I,
0: lo- looked at it from that point of view. It's, I think um... he just got out of the wrong side of the TARDIS sleeping area or whatever that particular <laughs> morning. But but he's, he's 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 I mean, Joe is about the only person who gets a civil word out of him, and even mm. then, it's only about half of the time.
2: Yeah. But I do, I do like getting back onto the Brigadier thing, which is what, yeah. And I, I do actually like it. Yes, I can, I can appreciate that. It, yes, there's certain things that one can consider out of character if you're looking for long-term character continuity. But on the other hand, it's nice because it's also a special event in the fact that it's it does take the unit family into into space. Hmm. And do that, yes. and do that different thing. And that the Brigadier looks—I I love the fact, that, you know—it's that—that was really. I, I think that would pass me by before. But I love the fact that the, the Brigadier's first reaction going into the TARDIS, and he finally sees the inside of the TARDIS, and, and he accuses the Doctor of wasting units, units budget. <laughs> and the, this is what you've been doing with all my funding, you. And um, yeah, and I think um, that's
1: probably very typical, Baker and Martin. Mm. Um, yes, it, it is, but it's a it's a great. Yeah, um, no, yeah, I have no. Anyway, I have no problems. As I was mm. saying, you could have had the, the brigadier being completely matter of fact. It would have been very, you could have had it with complete dignity mm. and just get on with it. Where's the fun in that? it's yes. is supposed mm. to be fun, and someone's always got to be the comedy character. Mm. And um,
0: on this occasion, it was the brigadier, and who better for it? Yes, indeed so going back a, a bit to the um the time laws it's interesting in the credits you get um one of them credited as president of the council another one credited as chancellor which are, are things that are then picked up subsequently in um in deadly assassin and and they on hmm. uh, in, into the into the T era as being you know well okay it's the, it's the president of the high council but nonetheless those you know those, those are things that appear to have been invented in this story.
1: Yes. And the costumes are on their, on their way, making yes. a slow progression towards being the, 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 t- <laughs> the time lords we know and love. Hmm. They're just lacking... Have they got little hats? They haven't got... Obviously, they haven't got the massive... Um, what, what do you call that big thing that sticks up at the back of the kind neck? Kind of collary thing, but I don't know what you'd call it. Uh, yes, collars. The big collars. I did notice that the um, the chairs they're sat on when they're they're staring earnestly at The first Doctor on his screen look rather like the collars. I'm quite attracted to the idea that they they based their the final design, the final evolution in their in their ceremonial wear on a piece of furniture. Have another look. It's true. It's true. You're you're all shaking your heads at me now, but you wait. You wait. (laughs) Morris was right. They'll be
0: saying. Yeah. uh, They they say it most episodes. I think of this podcast.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they've got the big yes. They've got the big shoulders and the. The, clo- the cloaks and
1: everything. So they're pompous and dreary here, which is, of course, the norm. It's only the deadly assassin where we. I was about, to, you know, I was just wondering whether I should say that they haven't yet evolved the a sense of humour, or mm. indeed anything beyond the, of interest about the society beyond the completely superficial. But um, that doesn't last, does it? Mm. We get it once, 1977, and then it's back to this sort of thing again yeah <laughs> but
0: we're better colors yeah it's a wonder that omega doesn't send the gel guards and and the kind of slimy thing onto gallifrey itself i mean he, you know you could get a whole load of time lords there what, what quite why he decides to chase one time lord across unit hq when he could have hit um, a whole load of them but, but i mean maybe the transduction barrier gets in the way of that Oh, don't post-rationalise it. You
1: <laughs> know as well as I do that that's a good common or garden plot hole. Or contrivance. Hmm. Contrivance is my term of choice because it's technically neutral. All fiction yeah. is contrived. Yeah. But if, if if listeners wish to choose to assume that con- all contrivances are bad, then that is their choice. Hmm. They're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Who thought the gel? I was at 10 when I saw this the first time, and I thought the sets were a bit crap. Yeah. And the gel guards were, <laughs> were on the less effectual side of <laughs> Doctor Who menaces. Which I'm not making a specific point about the story, just about how 10 is slightly too old for Doctor Who. I think eight, mm. I always think age was about the right age. It's mm. all been downhill since then.
2: Um, they, look, they look great in their, um, in their own setting. They look they look really bad on, on on location for the unit stuff, but um, but once you get them in their city, and the fact that you know the fact that Omega's domain mirrors you know it's got the same design features in terms of that glittery stuff going on everywhere, you know
1: it's a bit like the um bit like the Axons I guess in that regard. Well, that's a very good comparison. I mean, it's it's a good start. The on paper the design's there, but it's just. It's just a shame mm. it doesn't have the otherworldly quality that it, that the script requires. And yeah, Ax- Axos is, can't <laughs> can't be beaten, can it? For
0: just yeah. for a proper freakout, mm. it's <laughs> it, it's extraordinarily stagey. The you know Omega's thing, you know, it's full of flats, isn't mm. it? You you can't really see why you'd have flats like that ex- except
1: on a stage set. They're very, very flat flats. So that is, I remember thinking that the first mm. time I saw it. It's, it is. I mean, I, I don't normally like to go on about the production values, but it is unusually mm. poor mm. for a Doctor well, Who. You know, said, and I, I would say.
2: If one was minded to, one could get one could get totally meta about the whole thing. Given the whole, <laughs> given the whole Wizard of Oz at first uh, on Omega's entrance, and I thought, oh damn, he's not actually not actually appearing from behind the curtain. Um, <laughs> but um, some, <laughs> but you know, given the whole thing is about you know is, is sort of about this artifice, and so in, mm. in some ways there's there's probably room for a meta reading. Not that I'm necessarily going to. Attributed to Lenny Main, got ha got got hold of this script, and thought we've got to do this in a completely postmodern way. Um, I don't think there's any real evidence to stand up that it was ever the intention, but but certainly you could,
1: yeah. Again, po- post rationalise that it's. Yeah, they used that excuse for the Happiness Patrol as well. And I didn't believe it then either. Mm. <laughs> That's what I find mm. it easy
2: to believe with, but yeah,
0: it's it's quite nice that they hold back. With Omega for the last two episodes, so that you do have that sense of, mm. of progression through the story. It's not, it's not sort of thrown away in at some point in episode one. So, so you, you know, you are waiting to see what the menace is.
2: Oh yes, it's nicely paced from that point of view. That it 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 brings out its information and changes the scenario one episode at a at a time, mm. quite nicely. Although you do then, you know, then <laughs> there is the most egregious bit of padding towards the end of episode two and, um, <laughs> with, 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 with Tyler, 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 attempts, Tyler's attempted escape, which he then hangs, you, know, you just think, well, okay, you know, hanging a lampshade on it. But yeah. <laughs> the fact that when he, when he comes back to, when he's shepherded back to them, he said, well, that was a bit of a waste of time, wasn't it? It's just like, <laughs> he speaks for us all. And you realize that's just, that's entirely just about eking <laughs> out the moment so that they can, um, yeah. yeah, so that so that we can hold off and keep Omega off the screen for um for the remainder of the episode. So he can come in in episode three.
1: I just wanted to say a little bit about the characters because, mm-hmm. and again, I, I must say in advance, I don't want this to sound like I'm knocking Baker and Martin because I'm very fond of most of their work, but it sort of reminds me, it's sort of symptomatic of the fact that a lot of their stories. Uh, kind of that like seven out of ten sort of level, you know. They never quite catch mm. fire. Mm. They're always nice and solidly built, but there are very few characters they create that I found particularly memorable. I don't just mean larger than life. The sort of I don't want to expect every character to be Henry Gordon Jago, or mm-hmm. indeed every character to be. And uh, now I'm desperately trying to think of one. <laughs> a character who's very real, very and very, th- and very s- three-dimensional without being florid. But I mean, somehow a lot of the characters just seem to be very functional, and serviceable, I and mean, almost every other story has a Doctor Science. Mm-hmm. If there's a nuclear power station, there's a there's a nuclear power station chief. Yeah. Well, I mean, that sounds very churlish of me. You you're, you should say, why wouldn't there be Paul? And, and I'd have no answer to that. But the point is that too often they're filled with head scientist boss.
0: Yeah.
1: And when they have an attempt at a comedy character, it's often a bit perfunctory. I mean. Pigmin Josh is rather uh, doesn't really count. I don't. I don't entirely know where that came from. But here, Mr. Ollis, is. Um, he's there. They've had a go at putting in a character who doesn't need to be there. So he must just be there for colour. But he's not particularly colourful. You know what I mean? Mm. He's there, and uh, Mr. Tyler's there. Dr. Tyler's there. But
0: yes, yes, Ollis he, is a
1: bit uh, muted. Definitely. As a child, I was slightly bemused by that.
0: It's like he's slightly un- underplaying the part, maybe. Yeah, that, that wouldn't help, would it?
1: But they, they, it just seems they lacked conviction in, their, in why, they'd, <laughs> why they'd stuck either of them in it. But um, I didn't help that it was immediately followed by Carnival of Monsters, both at the time and mm. when mm. I first saw it. It was just stuffed full of glorious characters. It's greedy, yeah. really, unless mm. it was showing off. Having that much interest in one story, but it's um, interesting contrast. I'll just throw that out there. I've got no answer mm. to it.
0: So other things in this, the brigadier in you know the antimatter world and the and the whole chroma thing. I mean that is, you know, it 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 has been sort of crept into being a, a classic thing. But it is rather a nice bunch of, of lines. So you know, I quite like that sequence. Um, Absolutely. Mm, yes. Yeah. And. I mean cl- clearly the whole thing does kick up a bit when Trouton turns up and and Trouton I guess it's close enough to his original appearance in the in the series that he, he seems relatively as he did uh, in his era. And I would also say that they haven't had to write him differently to
1: contrast with Pertwee because it would become an issue, no, not mm. an issue, but it would be something people had to start bearing in mind in later years when meet, when pairing up different combinations of doctors that you sometimes need to exaggerate certain facets mm. of the character to create enough of a contrast whereas here luckily mm. there already is <laughs> enough between 2 and 3 mm. and enough and not enough much time has passed so he's there's not as much chance that he'll be boiled down to some sort of caricature of himself so are we all would anyone agree that he's pretty faithful it seems like he's like he just stepped out of season 6 yeah yes yeah when did it first become known <laughs> that um, Jamie was originally supposed to be in this story, and more to the point, that they just gave Benton most of his lines? I feel that like was quite recently that that I discovered that. I, I suppose I should feel a bit ashamed that I didn't spot it because it's with hindsight, it's
0: so so obvious. Yeah, I I, I didn't know that. You know, years ago I was saying it. No, I didn't know that minutes ago. So <laughs> so that's some. <laughs> I just,
1: I'm wondering, perhaps that people, it was a theory at one stage, and then it maybe Mr. Pixley found it in mm-hmm. some paperwork or something. Yeah. But I don't remember people even theorising it. People just right. said, "Oh, isn't it? That's good. It's the one where Benton gets something to do." Hmm. So, so he couldn't be released okay. from Emmerdale or something. Was that that was the story? Was it? Well, on the um, on the Blu-ray set, which I watched the other week, yeah, somebody floats that as the theory, and it's I think it's shot down. It's too early for. Hopefully, Emmerdale, somebody so. else will. Well, that's what happened in. Eighty-three. That's, That's why um, he could no, have his yeah, proper finish in the five dollars. On this occasion, I, yes. I don't think there's anything stopping him except for John Pertwee, who apparently didn't want him in it because <laughs> it would tra- uh, draw too much. No, I can't remember who said this on the Blu-ray. Yeah. And if if nobody did, then I guess it's my subconscious telling me. But no, it, it, somebody has told me this in the last week or so yes. that John Pertwee was happy to have Troutman back, but didn't want too many old characters taking the shine away from him. That and does sound entirely in character. So, Fraser's loss was John Levine's gain. Mm. And if anyone wants to... Um, and he talks us through in great detail, because this is the story where he probably gets the most to do in in many yeah. ways. He talks us through in great detail every one of his great little moments, every little bit of acting that he puts into the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he, he tells an enthralled Katie Manning and Richard Franklin, oh, what? <laughs> watch out, there's a good bit here, I'm doing my... <laughs> I'm <laughs> doing my surprised acting here. <laughs> and they there oh, did you see it? And mm. um and <laughs> Katie's quite sarcastic in mm. replies. Uh, I wasn't not something I was expecting. In a in a good natured way. Yeah. Lots of yeah.
0: squeezing and <laughs> and ribbing going on. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I've written about um about Benton is I've said never leave him in Because it all goes horribly wrong as as soon as he's trying to deal with the antimatter blob. Not his fault, of course, um, but yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. Marvelous acting he's doing in his own head—it it sort of seems to be, you know, largely lost by the camera.
1: Oh, I need to stick my finger up here and say I do actually think John Levine is very good in this story, and um, he <laughs> and all the little things he's pointing out are indeed worth pointing out. I suppose he's he's rightly proud of them. He does very mm. well. It's just that, um, you know. It's always funny when people point to their own acting and and, and tell you what they're doing, isn't it? I think mm. I think it's funny. <laughs>
0: we got any much else to say?
1: I'm just, I just think I I noticed
2: similarities to Logopolis in this. So in the, in plot plot wise, I felt like you know you've got a universe threatening energy drain and all of that. It's it's just it's um it's slightly undersold in some ways. Logopolis actually maybe does it better, but in Terms of the the idea, you, well, then again, Ligopolis doesn't really because you only ever see it well, see things collapsing on Legopolis. I think, I, I think you
1: could argue both of them are underplay it mm. in um, in their various ways. I mean, neither of them go for a grandiose operatic approach to the end of the universe. Mm. One of them has a, as we've established, a small cast including a, a scientist with a moustache and a poacher around hanging around for no apparent reason at the end of the universe, and the other one. Brings it back down to a you know this rather parochial radio dish on Earth. Hmm. Oh, and, and is full of other parochial stuff like the Barnet Bypass. It seems to be... Uh, I think they both embodying the archetypal Doctor Who way of dealing with the grandiose there, which is to stick a pin in it and look at it from a completely unexpected angle. Hmm. It was something in the air in 1981, though, that's for sure.
0: Hmm. I suppose that, I mean there's, there's a looking at some smaller things. There's a prefiguring maybe of the um, matrix sequences in in *Deadly Assassin* because you've got you know this weird f- uh, fight sequence between the Doctor and Omega or or, or some strange oh, the, the
2: will of the will of Omega, yes, yeah. which um, is proper
0: freaky. It's, it's it quite nightmarish. You've got this. I'm now getting rather churlish. You've, you, you've got this bit where the the Brigadier and various characters jump into Bessie and zoom off to to escape away from Omuga. And then as soon as they arrive back at Unit HQ, the doctors who've been hot-footing it sort of arrive within about 30 seconds of them. I mean, you know, I suppose they've got a remarkable turn of speed. You never actually see them run. They could, they could be extraordinarily fast. Oh, dear. Well, you know, it, it would be a waste of time to hang around for half an hour waiting for them to come back, wouldn't it? It's a, a nice contrivance, I think, as you just said. he doesn't really get an awful lot to do because of his physical state, I suppose, but Mm. relatively faithful. I used to, for some reason, I used to think he wasn't quite
1: in in character, but I don't know where I got that idea from. Last Mm. time I watched it, I think they did quite a good job of boiling Mm. enough of his essence down into those little scenes. It's more that he's quite funny, so they have remembered. What yes. the actual first Doctor was yes, like, yes. which is something that increasingly gets lost. Mm, and I yes. think the problem is that it, that's the one part of his portrayal. He's doing his absolute best, and some of it acts very nicely, but the one thing that he's lost from his original characterisation is the mad <laughs> gig, g- yeah. giggling season three Doctor, which yes. um, is some of that's there in the writing but not in the performance. So maybe that's what mm. what I picked up on. Well, not in 1981, because I didn't really know anything about that version of the first Doctor. Nineteen eighty-one. That was a lovely surprise. Later on,
2: yeah, well, exactly. In nineteen eighty-one, we all had the Stephen Moffat stereotype, didn't we?
0: Well, I, I was going to was say. It? I mean, I think that's, that's probably one of the flaws of the Five Doctors is that the characterisation that's given to Herndall is the thing that we you know where we thought of that the first Doctor was like in nineteen eighty. Three, because none of us had, had had got to see season three at that point. You know, mm. we, we might have we've seen an earthly child where he, he's quite kind of snappish, I suppose, and and that's perhaps the bit that's come across in, uh, in the five doctors.
2: I don't know. Let's let's come back to come back to that when we. Yeah, yeah okay. Sorry, I, I have some. I have opinions. Um,
1: <laughs> I think that seems like the most superb segue. you would be a fool to re- to reject that one, Richard.
0: Grab it yes. by the horns
1: and and ride Move forward on. into the future of yes. 1983. 1983. Well, yep. Indeed, another couple more doctors into the mix.
0: Yeah, yeah. So where were we all when we saw this for the first time? <laughs> I, I was fifteen in nineteen eighty-three. Well, I was actually sixteen right at the end of it. But I was fifteen when the five doctors said, and I wasn't even in the house on the night that it showed. So it's something of a miracle that the VHS recorder worked, and so I did get to see it. Yeah. Well, I watched it about three times, you know, end to end. When I did get back in, I, I guess I was I was definitely a fan by this stage compared with. When the, when the 10th anniversary came, I, I was just a, a kid who watched it because the family watched it.
1: Mm. Well, I, I think I always watched Children in Need and I always watched Doctor Who, so I watched Children in Need with a big Doctor Who stuck in the middle of it. Mm.
2: And Terry Wogan.
1: I don't digress too much into into, <laughs> into making this a Children in Need podcast, but thinking back on it, it seems mm. astonishing that they devoted an hour and a half right in the middle. Yeah, yeah, oh, to absolutely. A drama. To a drama now, as was well. That, was that odd? even in 1983, or is that a sign that Children Eat hadn't quite established its
0: formula by that point? And it only started as a as a TV thing, I think, in 1980, so it was relatively early in its hmm. run.
1: Anyway, I've got it on video somewhere. I really must dig it out, complete mm. with all the, the fundraising captions scrolling along the bottom continuously. Yeah. Oh, yes. Which obviously cool. e- exercised me enormously <laughs> at the time. Yeah. I was I think, livid. I think fortunately
0: <laughs> in, in, in in Yorkshire there was, you know, and we're not really given to, to you know, great acts of charity, so it, it was rather less um, prominent on screen uh, than it was in certain other parts of the country. What an egregious <clears throat> calumny against your country.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, I, yes, I was absolutely, it was like the biggest thing, the biggest television event of 1983. Yes, I was terrifically excited to watch it and, glued to it throughout did they have Wogan and Peter Davison on afterwards they did um,
1: uh, particularly in our our, our area Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to mention this again well I am actually (laughs) they missed off my favourite bit in the otherwise comprehensive Five Doctors special edition DVD Hmm. which had a lot of children need stuff and and miscellaneous material they missed off my favourite bit which is Davison and Davo and Wogan afterwards Mm Um, I remember years ago when it first came out, Steve Roberts was asked about this and said they hadn't had that bit in his area, his BBC oh, okay. area, so he didn't know it existed, All so right. did, which I thought was a thin excuse. Next time I mm-hmm. see him, I shall
0: <laughs> I'll confront it's, him about it. Well, well they, Steve Roberts is kind of it is, m- North-ish, isn't he? So yeah. Maybe um, it's, a, maybe it's well, the same thing.
1: Why did you bring him up Charles? Were you going to, Can you remember that word for word, just like you can? No, no, not, not at
2: all. I, I can't remember any of it. But it's when he. Well, I, mean, um, I can.
1: I can remember it being a thing. But w- Wogan prizes Davidson's um, coat off his back to give away for charity, mm. and there's some discussion about what Doctor Who fans and are called. And Peter Davidson says rather shamefacedly, I believe they're called Hoovians. Oh, good God! And okay. Wogan suggests Hoovers. Hmm. And and it goes on like this for some time, but I,
2: right. <laughs> does it all happen in a white void? Or am
1: I imagining that? Yeah, it does. Almost, almost uniquely for um, appearances of Doctor Who cast members on magazine <sighs> programmes, it starts with Wogan in the, in the blank studio and the TARDIS appearing, and Davidson walking out of it, and ends with him going back and the TARDIS and it disappearing again. I don't think i have hmm. ever used that setup for any other BBC magazine programme. What a waste! except all of them. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Wogan does his absolute best to introduce some timey-wimey business at the end by saying, Mm. and he's gone, or is he, no, hang on, what does he say? (laughs) Some business, (laughs) whether he's, he's, is he already gone or was he never here or whatever. Mm. He's doing his best to get into the spirit of it. Hmm. So uh, we've just spent about 10 minutes talking about Terry Wogan. So sorry. Yes, sir, yes. Had Uh, anybody read the book? I think we already covered this in our Terence Dix tribute, but the book came
0: out two days earlier. And I can't honestly remember whether I I read it or not. I, I definitively read some of the book because I knew I wasn't going to be able to see it when it aired. I picked up the book in Leeds that very afternoon. So on the train on the way home, I read probably the first five or six chapters. And then I got home, and that was the end of it. I think Uh, it's very likely my local bookshop
1: just didn't have it in because they weren't mm. particularly on the ball. I think the secrets were preserved.
2: mm, I think I had it before. Mm. Transmit. I think I. I think I got it, snapped it up, but I think I Mm. probably waited, probably probably held tight until until it aired before Mm. actually, yeah, before reading it.
1: Good boy. And it, yes, it, I'm starting oh, to wonder if my memories are getting tangled up, or if parts of me are drifting away. Just you, out of space. <laughs> yeah. Did the book come out on November 23rd, or was it a week before? Because am I getting confused with the fact that in America it was shown on November 23rd, and we had to wait until yeah. the 25th?
2: To great consideration
0: I guess the answer is it probably depends when it left the distributors. I mean, they, I don't, I don't think it was <laughs> deliberately published, right? It may have been, yeah. it may have been published on the twenty third, and then the, and then the, then the TV was was delayed. That that's plausible, isn't it? It, it certainly was. It was in Ostick's children's bookshop anyway on 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 that Friday morning. That's what okay. I can say to you. Regarding the Americans getting it first, of course,
1: in those pre-internet days, mm. we it wasn't a big problem. It's not like you had to hide under. Hmm. No,
3: that's true. That's I
2: remember it causing a stink. Yes, at the time, I think the fact
1: It's just about the principle of it though, was yes, not it? Yes, yeah. Mm.
2: Uh according to according to the good folk on Wikipedia, the book was published on the 24th. Ah. so uh, one day before Thursday. That was the official mm. publication date.
0: But but I mean I think going back to what one or both of you were saying earlier, it, it it feels like this is the point at which there's a lot more nostalgia. I mean so so for the 20th you've got all of that season 20 with returning villains, Peter Haining writing his book, the Long Leap convention, yeah, mm. big thing in Chicago as well. Doctor Who Monthly's been around for three or four years at this point, so the, 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 there's there's a lot, it's been all been dialed up a bit. Mm. I would say so. I mean, I not mean, having
1: been there in 1973, but it's a uh, it definitely felt like they tried to extend over the entire year, a bit like what we had for the 50th. Mm.
2: Yes, yeah, well, we've had long
1: leads and everything, yes. And it is a special. Yeah, planned, so, yes. Planned to be separate from the season mm. mm-hmm. and to be a 90-minute one-off episode. Mm. This is true, isn't it? Right from the start, planned. Yes, yeah, this way. So. to be shared on the anniversary. Mm. Unlike in 1973, they didn't just give it to Peter Grimway to write... Or somebody <laughs> they they wanted somebody who knew something about the history of the program, mm. well, and/or was a well-respected writer. And they went to Holmesy first, didn't they?
0: Yeah.
1: Yes, indeed. Mm. Which is a fascinating part of the story, because what on earth would we have got from him? I and mean, we know some of what we would have got. It seems that he was rather hung up on the fact that it wouldn't be William Hartnell, and that was going to factor into his plot.
2: Eben mm. mm. Warwick was going to return. <laughs>
1: Good Lord! Well, you know, if things carry on getting more and more meta, meta, maybe yeah. that'll happen for the hundredth anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a room full of pretend first doctors, and the doctor after the twenty-ninth doctor will have to work out which is the real one,
0: mm. <laughs> which is the CGI William Hartman among all the. Uh, I'm I'm losing it now. Mm. Well, it could be it, it could I be just, like the, the the machine in the uh, Land of Fiction, where the Doctor fails to pick out Jamie's face. It could be exactly uh, like that. Yes. Brilliant stuff. Now I you like see, it. this
2: was my. My fiftieth anniversary idea, more or less, back in the day, was uh I would like, say this is how you do a fiftieth anniversary special and uh but basically it was gonna be could have involved the land of fiction, could have involved the toy maker, could have involved any kind of setup like that. And you get the um the doctor having to go back through his past adventures. Mm. So you can kinda do modern production value hmm. reconstructions of bits like I mean- the bit with the maggots and the um, you know, I it's feel like so we're unselfish. sure to
1: get that one day. Mm. I'm not quite sure why we haven't. I mean if if this was a, if Dr. who's an American network show they w- we would definitely have had some of that sort of business mm. going on now because they uh, I, they seem very f- fond of that format from Back to the Future through to Avengers Endgame and mm. trouble but with and that, that Tri- tribulations. and tribulations yeah yes. yes yeah I'm I love all that sort of thing. I can't mm. I I'm a sucker for it. So, yeah, that yeah. can't come soon mm. enough. Whereas what we got was uh, that condensed down about three minutes in the name of the Doctor. Yes. Mm. But, that's mm. no, th- is that the one? Yeah, that's so, the one. Yeah. Yeah. Getting ahead of ourselves. Mm. Yeah. What we actually get is back to Gallifrey again because you can't have an anniversary story without Gallifrey. Mm, except, yeah. of course, we get two in 1983, which is oh, true. slightly confusing. I mean, that's, yeah. um, that's a bit odd, isn't it, that we get The Return of Omega, to mark the 10th anniversary of the Three Doctors. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) And then something in Verticom's original, a new idea for the Five Doctors, Mm. which is that rather than a misunderstood anti-hero, we just get a proper villain. Mm. So it's actually less novel than the Three Doctors, isn't it? And it was originally supposed to be The Master, and the one interesting facet of it came from when Eric Sayward said... Wouldn't it be more interesting if somebody we weren't expecting, like Berusa? Mm. Yeah. Which Terence obviously never really liked, because he spent <laughs> most of the next 30 years trying to undo that in various forms. Those of his novels are about rehabilitating Barusa, I
0: believe. Are they? Are they really? Yeah. Okay. I- it's I can't something. say I, I, I ever felt strongly about Bruce one way or another. Mm. It was hard
1: to get attached to him when his face changed more often than his socks, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when he couldn't... He didn't even have the <laughs> decency to stay ident- yes. looking the same from January to November of the same yeah. year. Mm. Something's some wrong. And that is rather unfortunate. Mm. I don't know... It seems to say something to me about the production team there was so little continuity between Arkham Infinity and The Five Doctors. And it's yeah. not a stick with which a one would or should mm. try to beat The Five Doctors with mm. But perhaps no. one should beat Eric Sayward with it. Yeah, I mean, um, thankfully they kept Paul, Paul Jericho. Paul carries over Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, one... Yeah. Okay. And um, the other two cast members... The other two <laughs> time builders didn't come back, I believe, especially the Skellingtons, aren't they? Mm. The master runs across in the death zone. So, whatever.
2: Well, <laughs> well we're probably um, <laughs> fully fortunate that Maxwell didn't come back as... Um,
1: <laughs> if he'd have um if he'd have reappeared with the chicken on his head in <laughs> Again yeah. it seems there's something peop people say that it was he was supposed to originally and it was only Nathan Turner got cold feet about having him back as Maxwell after he'd been announced. Had he, he like had cast, think, yes of course he cast I think Colin would have been up for it. Mm. And mm. But there you go.
2: Well had he cast it anyway, by, by the time they actually when they produced it, because
1: it must have been in the spring. I mm. believe so. Mm. Check. Go on, get your Wikipedia. Out. Uh, on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on, Doctors. Yeah. Come on, Doctor. It... Doctor, Facts
0: as well as Doctor Science. Oh, dear. Um, so, so this one feels to me to be more like a series of sketches or cameos that are sort of w- woven together into a story, rather than the three yes. Doctors, which is a proper story. Yeah.
1: Well, it's in that
0: in that sense, it helps that it's a ninety. It's not
1: made up of four yeah four discrete episodes because it's. That would have made it more obvious, like the edited version does, that it's not mm. structured like a normal Doctor Who story. Mm. Yeah. So I think that's the, that's why it gets away with it. A, because it's the first time they do that, and B, because you know it's a film film length, so mm. it doesn't draw attention to it.
2: Mm. Yeah, it it does it does manage to sort of have a more filmy filmy structure, really. I mean, the, mm. the fact that we you know we can spend all that time, and obviously you know after the framing device. You know, the fact we set up the whole thing and the first 10 minutes or so are just about kidnapping the doctors mm. and the time scoop apparatus without us having any idea of what's going on at all up until that point. We just have mm. sinister gloved hand and various little cameos you know, which you wouldn't get away with. First episode of a traditional Doctor Who you know, traditionally mm. structured Doctor Who story. Mm. Spend half of its time doing it. You
1: know, nope. The first half of it doing that. Um, I really like the five doctors, so I'm going to say as many positive things. Like, oh, no, absolutely, things. yeah. the The opening is very nice. All the stuff mm. with, with Davo and his friends. I don't know why I'm calling him Davo tonight. Apologies. <laughs> That's all very nice. And <laughs> it's wavy Davy. It's, nice, <laughs> it's nice to see him. Yes. Having a moment of relaxation for a change. Mm. It's the equivalent of of um, Tom on the River Cam, I guess. Mm. He's actually finally arrived. At the, here's, a, here's Metabilis Three, the Eye of <coughs> Orion. Mm. Yeah, which looks suspiciously like the Death Zone. Yeah, which looks suspiciously like Wales. But never mind. I, th-
0: I, I thought it was Mount Everest, but yeah, whatever. Himalayas? No, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I see what you did there. Kyber pa- <laughs>
2: Pass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Talk of the Holmes version. And uh, what do we? Was it? Was that? Did that have the game setting, or did
1: that have? I, I don't think um, we know very much very about it, and, and I don't have... think it got very far at all before mm. he mm. threw his hands up and said, "This isn't for me." Yeah. Mm. All I know is, th- yeah. Well, I've already said it, haven't I? Yeah.
2: Because <laughs> the thing is, once you've seen how the trick's done, you think, "Oh, of course, you do the whole thing as a game, and it's, you know, it's the perfect way of setting it, setting I mean, it up, and having so many roles and so many potential cameos and so many <laughs> logistical headaches of." is going to be available on that day and you set the whole thing up as a game and drop, drop people in and out of it. I feel you know, like all of that is on... t-
1: typical Terence Dix approach to, to um, solving a problem. Yeah. yeah, He's not trying to be clever. Mm. He's just being clever. He's just being clever the, by, to, by doing it yeah. straight down the middle. The most yeah. um, the way that seems to be the most obvious with hindsight. But it so is only saying, with
2: hindsight and you've got to have that idea in the first place. I you? don't
1: think Holmes would ever... Write a script like that he would always try and approach it from either had a rip off a, a hammer film, mm. <laughs> it'd be ironic if it be ironic for that aspect of it had come from Holmes, of course, then then he'd be ripping himself off with his own carnival monsters, mm. but, but he didn't probably
0: it, I mean, it feels to me like the best sort of pantomime in in that you get a sort of a fairy story a a, a moral thing running through it you get. All the characters sort of appear for a bit and then disappear off again and 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 you so you get a constant throughput of different characters on the on the stage and you know it 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 is a series of nice moments sort of bundled together one after another it 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 sort of feels like it has that that setting that you get in in uh, in the best kinds of pantomimes big numbers every now and then everybody gets a chance to do their bit and you even get everyone together on stage at the end Mm. you know for the for the uh denouement (laughs) yep that's presumably just
1: a result of Dick's approaching it his task is giving it giving us a crowd pleaser mm. i guess mm. not because he had any theatrical or
0: pantomimic background no i mean but oh, people, no people tended to yeah <laughs> people tended to use tended to use that uh, that term in a derogatory way you know for for the j and t era but i mean i think in this case i i, I you know like you i think it's a fantastic Celebration of of uh, of the twentieth anniversary, and it's and it's a very enjoyable watch. But it, it, it just as I was watching it this last time, it, it popped into my head that it was it was a similar format to 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 that.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, certainly, um, Vasson when he turns up at the end he's
2: very much um like the genie, but the you know the, the genie or the mm. you know it's <laughs> a cross between Down and Old King Cole right down here. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, And um, yes, he's very much, you know, appears to um, set everything to rights at the end. Mm. But it's interesting that, um, yeah, I I made a note that the morality of Vassalon and whether he's whether he was a goodie or a baddie, and Terence, and he doesn't doesn't quite address this issue, other than that he set a trap for for people to look for immortality. Yeah, but then you know, obviously, Vassalty takes you know takes the idea of Rassilon as some ty- you know, as a tyrant, and uh, mm. very much runs with it. In, I think in the end of time,
1: most people who've ever written for Rassilon have done the same. Moffat wasn't able to get away from that. Mm. I don't. I think Big Finish had used him before and and had mm. him riffing on his dark side. Had, yeah. they,
2: even... had they? written for him before End of Time? Uh, yes. yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Mm.
0: He's Don Warrington in Big Finish. Oh, of course. Yes. yes. Yeah. Mm. Yes, it was bef- before even the reboot, wasn't it? And it was I don't think two thousand three. I don't know why I think this,
1: but I, I don't think Terence Dixon would have found that idea particularly controversial either. Mm. Unlike his his favourite Barusa, mm. <laughs> I think he left that door. I think he left that ambiguity open. There, mm. even though in this story, he's supposed to be benevolent in the way. But a benevolent, but a bit scary. Mm. No, he doesn't need to be any more than that. Yes, in it's interesting it's that for, it's for another day, mm. somebody else, for another hand to explore him further.
2: Mm-hmm. And I've just been looking at Richard Matthews's IMDb record because I was just thinking, is this some, is, he, is he someone I, I should have heard of? And um, not particularly. And you know, yes, he had. <laughs> like a... You surprised
1: me. Well, you know, he, he had. a lot long... <laughs> Did you do a lot of side good moustache work?
2: <laughs> well you know he had a he had a, he had a fairly long Mr. fairly Mr. fairly long running you know, long running Owl. career as a presumably character director and so on he's in a couple of episodes of Children of the Stones for instance oh, yeah. and he's got a crown court but then that came free with your equity card <laughs> that came free with your equity card in the 70s didn't it yeah um, but yes it, it's odd that they don't even for 1983 I mean, given that J&T had started down the started down his role of stunt casting, I think. Mm. It's odd that he didn't get someone big to do that. Hm. Mm. I and mean, you know. It's yeah. o- it's only two years later he's tapping up Lawrence Olivier to play a mutant.
1: And <laughs> Oh, don't remind
2: me. Yeah. yeah. I mean,
1: th- he had some there was some stunt casting going on with Berusa in Ark of Infinity. But yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nine months
0: earlier. Hm mm. yeah. 11.
2: So it's very odd that Rassalon is just left to a um jobbing character actor. To my mind,
0: yeah, but I guess I mean you know in this case Troughton and Pertwee are, are the stars of the show, mm. so perhaps ha- you know trying to shove too many more yeah, people yes. in make, yeah. makes it tricky. Mm. I mean, da- I mean Davison is the hero, but he's not necessarily the star. I mean, he has to, he has to carry a lot of the straight acting while mm. while you know Pertwee gets his moments of charm and Troughton gets his comedy, and 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 so they they steal the show a bit. Mm. Mm. It's like an el-
1: one of those episodes of Blackadder where um, Rick Mail yes, wants to rug out from under. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, what would it have been like with Tom Baker in? Would it have worked? Or would it have sunk under the weight of? Not that he Not... would ever have want uh, agreed to a part equal in size to the mm, rest. Yeah. of So the idea
2: point. was Tom went to Tom went to the capital mm. in the Tom in the draft that was written with Tom, wasn't it? I believe. So Tom got Davison's plot.
1: Yes, and what would Davison have done? Even less. Possibly.
2: Presumably, presumably, presumably the um, the tower magically had a fourth entrance. That
1: that doesn't seem like a very interesting role for Tom, though. Or can not see that working uh, at all. Or did one of them him out and
0: about? Yeah, I I also feel that Pertwee and Baker would have actually had a full on fight. <laughs> uh, I just, I just can't see them. They, they, they were like matter and antimatter. They could, could they exist in the same space? I would have loved to have seen Tom and Pat together. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, that would, that, that, that would, that would have
1: worked entirely. Is, I, I can imagine. I've got a I can see the very shape of it working nicely in my head. I am just can't. Not sure of the details. Mm. And uh, I might go off and write it tonight.
0: Yeah, yeah, you, sh- you should, you should do. <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, so I
2: guess there would have been relatively little overlap between, apart from, apart from the big finale scene. Mm. Perky's mostly got location work, hasn't he? And mm. and Davison's mostly got studio work.
1: Talking of the logic of it all, does it make any sense that they all defer to the first Doctor because he looks old, mm-hmm. even though he's actually the youngest? He's the youngest, Yeah, And it's... they should all know a lot more than him. Mm. yeah. Is there anything in the script to suggest that Terence is aware of that, or why why is he can he see through? Can he, why is he more perspicacious than yeah. his later selves? But but it's the and same it, flaw it, in <laughs> the three doctors, isn't
0: it? Yeah, it is.
2: Well, I presume you spotted the fact that there's two two um time door busts and one one gaping hole on the um on the vessel. On and um, hmm.
1: yeah, why hard. did he spot that? Hmm?
2: Yeah, well, I did...
0: don't
2: know. <laughs> I was watching it and thinking, well, someone must have rumbled it, and because um... <laughs> the others are too busy bickering.
0: Mm. Yeah, it could be that. It could be, couldn't it?
1: Okay, we and are too busy bickering. This version of the first Doctor doesn't bicker, but if he was in character, mm. more in character, yes. <laughs> He will be, you know, having a rumble with the rest of them. Yes, <laughs> He'll be yeah. Going, yeah. <laughs> doing his me, on Professor yeah, think that... and yes. and it would really be it re- should really be the Fifth Doctor, mm. and I think it would suit Davo very well. Yeah, to so yes. be the one who who saves the day because he mm. is, as well as being the latest, mm. and, and technically he should have more, a- yes, more yeah. going on upstairs than the rest of them, mm. more experience, mm. if nothing else. It, I just think it would suit him. Mm. To, to look over his little, look over his glasses, yes, and look past his own you know, eccentricities, which is what bogging the others down mm. with all their scarecrow and dandy repartee, and he should be the one who sees through it. But um, really, he gets paired off with the first doctor as if they're two halves of the same coin, yin and yang, as mm. if he's like a young William Hartnell, or well, the first doctor is an old Davo. Which seems to be the way that they've written it. Mm. It seems to be why he gets lumbered with Susan, which is an, in, admittedly an interesting, potentially interesting mm. pairing. Mm. With, potentially, um, but yeah. Her having aged and her grandfather
0: mm. are now yeah. young and blonde.
1: Yes. It's,
0: the the, the it's problem is not, they not don't interesting really the way give. it's done. Mm. They don't really give Susan any, any character, do they? It's, it's
1: tragic. It's probably the biggest flaw in the whole thing. It's, yes. I mean, yeah. She is written as if she's still 15, which is a bit... Mm. And if only they filmed... I don't know if it was ever in the actual shooting script, but it was in the book, her um, abduction by the, the Black mm. Obelisk of mm. Doom which would have been in the rebuilt ruins of 22nd century London, that would have been mm. a very nice introduction to her. And mm, it might have yes. given her some solidity. We might have believed that this was still Susan. Yes. Well, fans would have believed that this was still Susan, and regular viewers would have had some vague idea who this person was supposed to be. But unfortunately, some bizarre girl woman mm. Mm. still twisting her ankle. <laughs> I don't know if that's supposed to be an affectionate tribute to... Um, companions of old but it's it's mm. a bit tough mm. yeah no, she
3: really,
1: wasn't. really does get the rough end the stick and. yes and, and Turlo Turlo's best moment at the beginning where um, even as the Fifth Doctor's friends are relaxing at the Isle of Ryan, he's still looking shifty and awkward in mm. the background <laughs> he can't ever relax Turlo yeah, yeah. not really until he's on uh, Lanzarote he, he mm. seems quite relaxed there but, um, it's because Tegan's gone and taken
2: all the it. sexual tension out of the TARDIS. Yes.
1: Yeah. Everyone fixates on No, Not the Mind Probe as the um, is the worst line of dialogue in this, which is actually quite pulpy fun. Mm. The worst line of dialogue, of course, is It's an entry coder! Yeah. <laughs> which is pure yes. say
0: techno nonsense. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but the issue with the not, not 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 the mind probe is not that it's a terrible line. It's a perfectly reasonable line. It's just an extraordinary <laughs> pe- rendition of it, isn't it? I mean, it's I mean the... you, you, you 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 could say it 500 different ways and never come up with one as unconvincing as, as no, not the, no, not manages. the mind
2: probe. <laughs> yes.
0: It's a classic example of well, the, yeah, that'll do. Next scene. <laughs> I don't know,
1: isn't it isn't it obvious from the um a special edition, or maybe the outtakes that he was being asked to try half a dozen different versions. <laughs> I, like, okay. almost, I don't know if that's the last one in desperation. No, not the mind probe. <laughs> no, is
0: no. This, no, not the mind probe. <laughs> There's definitely a version where he underplays it. Yeah, yeah, and he's a he's a good enough actor that of course he would have he could have. Yeah, done it I mean proper. he'd been in Triangle and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no he is. Don't stop it. <laughs> but uh,
1: It reminds me also on the Castrovalva Blu ray, there's deleted scenes where I think it's an episode end of episode where um Davison delivers the, the end of episode line. Oh yes. It's recursive occlusion. We're caught in a space time trap. And the director, possibly on instructions and J and is saying, could you um could you big it up a bit, love? That's not Fiona Cumming, of course. That's just my generic director, BBC director, yeah. voice. and we end up with recursive occlusion. We're caught in a space-time trap. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. you know, it was an occupational hazard in those days. Yeah. More steel, Anthony. More steel. Mm. Yes.
2: Talking of actually direction and such like, such like. So what do we reckon to the direction on this
1: one? And it's um, he appears to have been cut. Uh, Hired more purely fun, for his ability to keep the actors in under control, mm-hmm. I think that's on record, isn't it? Really, mm. not for his great visual flair, mm. which is a shame.
0: I mean, it feels it feels all right to me. I mean, I, I I don't look at it and think, oh, how dull it all is. It seems I think there's enough going on that you don't really think about it. Mm. No. Yeah, so it's uh, not it's not incredibly inventive, and you know,
2: certainly the Gallifrey, the Capitol, scenes, um. Although
0: the... very much in line with *Arc Ark of Infinity and Ron
2: Jones, I suppose. Yes, yes, yes. They could be set in a dynamic world of course channel Ferry oh, businesses, <laughs> couldn't they, really? But, um, but with better co- we... but with better
1: colours. <laughs> I think it was assume he's more of an actor's director and um, it's difficult to mm. tell on this evidence how much he had to do with that because a lot of the people, most of his actors, are familiar faces and we know what mm. they're like, so it we would only really know if he'd dropped the ball if they were suddenly out of character. Mm. So he, you know, maybe at the end of the day, all that was required was for him to get it made without mm. somebody murdering somebody else. Yeah, but yes, you're right, Rich. It, it looks fine.
2: Mm. And there's some there's some nice touches. I mean, a couple of things. Although there's there's a bit of a tendency to cut away the model shots of the Tower of Barcelona with or the Dark Tower with where it's clearly in different setting from mm. from where they're filming. But then. You know, I suddenly thought, "Hang on, how the hell did they do that?" There's a couple of scenes. I think Trotton and Courtney are looking from um, looking at the dark tower in the distance, and it's got. And I was thinking, "Okay, how the hell did they get that shot?" And I was well, watching. Still... I was watching it on the transmission version on the DVD, so you know, but it's it's like appears to be off in the distance with with proper grey, you know, lost mm. in the mist, yeah. kind of thing.
1: They they still made quite a lot of use of. Of map paintings in this era, didn't they? Mm. And I think even occasionally we're quite good at putting models on, like taking models on location mm. and, and working them in. Yes. So I would assume
2: it had to be, perhaps perhaps has to be a bit of would because
1: normally it just requires the, the imagination to think of that solution and mm. somebody allocating the time and a slice of the budget to go for it. And of course, they had more money here, so mm. it's not like that sort of thing was beyond the capability of the BBC to do. It's mm. just that half the time it's beyond their imagination I have, no, to, to I have nobody thought of it mm. again I was watching I was looking at time flight the other day and that uh, can't be many worse examples a story yeah. where nothing physically matches up mm. a few more um, a few more map paintings would have been preferable to
0: a, a tiny section of blasted heath in studio 8 mm. I did so I did once see the special edition and I have to say that 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 possibly suggests to me that that uh, that Moffat did a uh, Peter Moffat here did a good job of directing because he seems to have cut out all the rubbish from you know to get to the 90 <laughs> minute version because all the stuff that's reinserted seems to, to you know just pad it out without actually giving anything yeah much I don't think there's anything really
1: that needs to go back in but a lot of it is just beginnings and ends of scenes topping and yeah. tailing people walking in or driving into shot mm-hmm. and then and leaving again. I had a week of catching up with the Blu-rays last week. Is why most of my reminiscences are about this. But there's an extended episode one of of uh, Black Orchid on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's about three minutes longer, mm. and so all of that is just every time somebody makes a journey, mm. you see more. Some of I these extended scenes, you see more of the journey, people coming and going, mm. than than what they actually do once they get there. Mm. I don't suppose half of this stuff was ever intended to be used but when you're yeah. on location, you've got a nice vintage car you film the whole thing mm. everyone getting in, climbing in, starting up, driving off you follow it in down the road then you call cup, just so you've got enough coverage mm. so really, it's a bit a bit silly to put that back in as if it, mm. as if, as if it was ever really missing in any strict sense mm. and uh, I don't know get in early, get out um, quick, that's the maximum isn't it? The one I remember particularly from this Five Doctors special edition, but there's a lot of it, is towards the end, when the right, at the very end, when all the Capitol guards materialise in the tomb. Hmm. I think we see maybe one of them, one, uh, the first couple appear and walk off in the finished version. In this version, they they appear, they walk off. We stay on them. Another load appear in the transmat, walk off, and it just seems to go on forever. <laughs> just guards walking. <laughs> <laughs> uh. mm. And that's and I, yeah. yeah. Nathan it, it, Turner wasn't very fond of it. Yeah. He says some quite it, acerbic it, things about it. And yeah.
0: it was their it moment, out.
1: Paul. Those, those <laughs> actors. That's why. They, okay, that's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine how uh, upset they must have been to have been cut out. That's yeah. my. Uh. <laughs> oh and dear. endless shots of Devo walking around the Capitol, admiring the pot plants. mm-hmm <laughs> all cruelly cut in 1983, but now we can. Now we're going to enjoy those delightful moments mm. all over again in high definition. Yes, yeah. lots of lovely film though. Everything that's great on film, and um, yeah, Peter yeah. Moffat's direction is better on film.
0: It's mm. true enough. There's, there's there's a nice cyber massacre. J and T doing some some stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: apart from some slightly lacking. Continuity. In yeah, a there is sense. That. There, there, <laughs> there uh, is that where they all turn around and suddenly they're in the it's line, yeah. Terrific. As a as an eleven year old. I loved all yeah, that. Yeah. Mm. The more Oh yes. Mm. Exploding Sidemen with my jam back mm. then.
2: <laughs> well my pal Tim Wearing um, had a had a VHS long before I did. And um he worked at or oh, his sorry he worked his parents worked at um, <laughs> Queen Elizabeth Country Park, which is where they subsequently filmed *Mysterious oh, Planets* right. and um, *Revelation of the Daleks*. Mm. Of, oh yeah, in yeah. the wrong order, in fact. <laughs> and, uh, I well remember they had a um, like a screening theatre there where they would show films and so on. And he um so I got I got the cinematic experience of the Soviet Soviet Massacre on oh. the on the big screen. So, mm. so that was fun. Yeah, stayed with me, and um, mm. I think I must have watched most of that, most of the uh, Five Doctors over and over, one way and another.
1: Considering how much this story, I mean, a lot of it is very nicely written dialogue for characters that we know and love, hmm. but there's also a lot of action in it, and it's so lucky that they had the extra budget to do justice to those scenes mm-hmm. because, you know, the the bit with the Dalek, they were able to build a nice, um, exp- yeah, very impressive uh, Rex Dalek drop mm. and mm. and the Cyberman, the Raston robot if if all that had been uh, come across as flatly as action often did because was you know you had a fifty fifty chance it would look a bit ropey mm. in, in on their normal budget then that would have really gone flat wouldn't it
3: mm.
1: and and that's something we have to sh- thank Jonathan Turner for isn 't it not just yeah, the, yeah. not just the budget which is what I was talking about literally but directing the um Lot of that cyber sweet Cyberman action on location, mm. because when we cut to the studio and for similar scenes when they're dying on a large chessboard, mm. it's it's slightly like less interestingly um, choreographed, isn't it? Mm. True. we back to Mister Moffat again. Mm. It's as easy as pie. Hmm.
2: Yeah, what is going on there? Because then the master just sort of <laughs> walks across the board. <laughs> it's
0: it's it, it, something it, lost in translation mm, there. Yeah. It's Between writer and director, presumably not director and actor. Mm. Sorry. No, no, you're right. I mean, it, you, it, you couldn't do anything with pi anyway. Three point one four one two five nine six. It just doesn't work. Mm. You know, I mean, uh, even if it was supposed to be three on one and one on one, you couldn't. You couldn't walk in that way. Mm. It just. It, it, it <laughs> going not work. No, well, I tried to put a gag about that in my
1: latest um, script for Big Finish, which. Uh, if it didn't get cut, <laughs> you'll all be able to hear and, re- and rejoicing in about a
0: year's time. Yeah. Excellent. We, 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 mm. we Thank definitely you. will. Yeah. Don't feel you need to reply. That's fine. I, <laughs> I always look Just, forward to your big finishes, Paul. Do you
1: look forward to my plugs? It, be almost, <laughs> much,
0: almost They're kind of
1: sadly inevitable product. now, aren't they? You've stopped mm. even trying to, to dissuade me. And I've stopped trying to dissuade myself, despite... Mm. <laughs> Horrifically embarrassing, <laughs> <It's> they've become, <laughs> as this one has.
2: We're basically a small-scale version of the Graham Norton
0: show for you, aren't we? Yeah. Aren't we, Paul? <laughs> we we, uh, we get some of the reflected glory, though, don't we? half of that. it, really is you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Giles, you were saying you wanted to talk to us about the first Doctor's performance, uh, or something? Well, yes,
2: but I was—I was just going to say, yeah, actually, yes. I'll—I'll I'll start with the first Doctor and then then sort of broaden it broaden it out. So. I don't think and Handel has a fairly unforgiving task to take it on, but just with regard mm. to what you were saying earlier about about this thing of are they writing for Hunt, you know, so is Terence writing for Hartnell as a caricature or the sort of multifaceted Hartnell? And the thing is, I th- I think that he's writing, and a lot of my experience of this story, it's hardwired into me from listening to it because, like I said, I didn't have a VHS, uh, so I had an audio tape of this and listened right. to it for. Listen to it so many times over and over, you know. So i th- I think, I think the, the lines are there. There's a lot of f- funny stuff written into and sarcastic stuff right. written into the doctor's delivery, or into the into the doctor's actual dialogue. But then Herndl's delivery is just, unfortunately, quite one note, uh mm. grumpy. It is. That's you know. There's, I mean... there's a lot of stuff, and again, I'm not sure whether that's, he was being told to do it that way, but you know. There's just stuff we expect the... him to... Sorry, Paul, cool.
1: yeah, you've got I the think idea. it's more that he wasn't being told not to. Mm. If you look at that script and you don't have the memory, the encyclopedic the, knowledge of the way Hartnell played it in your head, the way we do, mm. and the way Terence did, because as you say, it's all there, or mostly there in the script. Everything mm. is yeah. in the script is in character of the first Doctor. Mm. It doesn't mm. get the totality of the first Doctor, but then, then it doesn't for the second and third Doctors either. Mm. So really... The script is there, but unfortunately, a lot of it is not, wouldn't be obvious. It's, you know what I mean?
2: Yes, mm. yeah, I see what you mean, yeah.
1: You're, you're writing something on the assumption. He's written it in the same way he's written for the second and third Doctors. Mm. And the same thing would have happened there if it hadn't been the original actors playing yes, it. Yes, yeah. So really, it's kind of inevitable, really, unless you do what you can never do in these situations and give the the new first Doctor actor, a big pile of tapes to watch as research, and do it like that. Mm-hmm. Well, could I just add a certain... No, do it like that. Mm. <laughs> Which they didn't, didn't do, possibly on, for whatever reason. And Moffat wasn't in any position to correct him. And who knows? Maybe John Nathan-Turner or Sayward weren't minded to correct him, because there was... I may have been influenced here by DWB, the... Um, The egregious fanzine Mm. in the 80s. (laughs) we obsessed with the idea that Nathan Turner had been on a one-man mission to mischaracterise the first Doctor as purely grumpy misanthrope. Mm. Mm. Which um, seems unlikely to be. I don't remember that. They have many
3: hobby-horses,
1: but I don't remember that one. Mm. (laughs) But anyway, yes, you're right. It's just a lot of the character of the first doctor is in the playing rather than in the dialogue. Mm. So he wouldn't have been able to see it was there unless somebody was in a position to point it out and nobody was. Mm. And, yet, and yes, the results are quite frightening when he attacks these, these lines which would have had a certain gentleness mm. and a certain eccentricity. If Hartwood said them, they just—he just sounds vile. Yes. Just shout, yes. Shouting abuse at everybody. <laughs> I'm, I'm exaggerating slightly, but you know what mm. I mean. Yes.
2: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yes. A it creeps in to his performance. You could almost believe somebody's telling him to exaggerate that side of it. Mm. Mm. The creepiness with the one thing that always stuck in my mind—the way um, when they've discovered that one of the doctors has gone missing, and he muses, "I wonder what happened to the other." Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You can always believe he's the villain, the way he goes in mm. that line. Yeah. Very strange. Very, very strange. Mm. Maybe someone should have just told him to play it like a pantomime, mm. rather than... That would have that would have improved his performance 50%, just like that. Mm.
2: Anyway, broadening it out from, from that point, though, the other performances, and so, you know, they're familiar returning actors, mostly. But, I mean, I think... I've, Particularly wanted to say, Trouton and Courtney are absolutely brilliant together. And yeah. I, I, personally, I think Nick is Nick is the best thing in the entire story. I think mm. Courtney yeah, he's, he's is just he's a lot better. Every in every line than is three. yeah. Okay, he's yeah. Okay, he's the yeah. He is the somewhat caricatured brig that's you know the later Bertwey era kind of thing. But 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 he's uh, absolutely just bang on the nail. The comic delivery is. He
1: Anybody is who's worried about him seeming less intelligent than he should be in The Three Doctors wouldn't have a problem here because it's not that's not the way they approach it here. It's more, he's more a long-suffering brigadier. Mm, he does yeah. know where they are. He's been through this before. Yes. And he's not particularly excited at the thought of going through it all again. <laughs> and that's but to get um, paired with an like bouncy, puppy-like second doctor, mm. is a wonderful... Yeah. Yes. Original pairing because they were never quite like that. We'd never seen that before. Mm. That mm. too, and and I think that's uh, fairly accidental. Well, this is what
2: um, I was wondering: is this just an accident of how it how it panned out with the casting? Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yes.
1: Because sorry if I'm treading on anyone's toes here. Mm. Somebody's probably got this written down, but it was going to be fourth Doctor with Sarah Jane. Yeah, and then John third Doctor with the Brigadier. Mm. Yeah, and then we would have had second Doctor and. Whoever Jamie, Jamie, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Although they'd have had to sort that out somehow. So, I think Tom did us a favour there because i yeah, yeah. mm. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't give up my second Doctor Brigadier partnership for the world. That's mm. no,
2: brilliant. No, absolutely.
0: Yeah. And he, mm. he, 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 even John and Liz are actually pretty good as well. Yes, mm. indeed.
1: It's funny how all that works out because there's no Tom. There's no Katie. I suppose we could have had Liz Shaw, but that's not really mm. as much as I would have liked that. If we had a three-hour-long Five Doctors, I'd give Liz Shaw more to do, but it's not really what the general public will remember mm. most fondly, is it?
2: So, in mean, talking about Liz and Pertwee, is only talking about the fact that you've, you know that you've got Chad and Courtney at the different stages of their lives, as it were, in terms of the the dynamic being different from the mm. dynamic you've seen from them before. It is the same thing there with um, with Sarah Jane and Pertwee, you know. I think because I was I was thinking Liz's. This is very good but she's very much to my mind she's channeling season twelve Sarah Jane or mm. you know, or the Sarah well, basically the Sarah Jane that evolved from which yeah. which does make sense because it's you know, it's the older she's an older yeah. version, she's not as yeah, you know, she's not become Sarah Jane Adventures Sarah Jane yet. But um you know she's got a couple of decades to go before that, but but she's very much that, yeah, there's there's bit yeah. there's bits in there that you think, okay, that's That's Sarah Jane that I know from,
0: from Tom Baker era. Yeah. As a canine in company, Sarah Jane isn't.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fashion sense (laughs) (laughs) wise, we had to let everyone off that. Well, worse. Yeah, worse than um, it was the it was the eighties. So it's she slightly seems to be playing in a slightly different register from Pertwee, who is, dare I say, I don't know. It feels a bit unfair to say. Is he phoning it in? Is um, but then the thing was. Yeah, Third Doctor was always an extension of Pertwee's personality, I guess, in in a way that a lot of the other characters are, you know, actors acting. So it's a slightly different, it's a slightly different thing. Yeah, do you know know what I mean? I
1: don't have a particular problem with him in this, but he probably has more trouble. It's probably much more of an effort for him to re-find the Third Doctor than it was for Pat Trouton. Yeah, who is just a more experienced actor and could probably just turn it on. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm implying that that is what he did, but you know, he could, he could probably just find it. Whereas, well, this is a
2: bit like John Pertwee's turned I mean, up and read the lines. Yeah, well, mm. I mean, his, Without, character, I, I don't want to...
1: his character evolved during his five mm. years on the show, so he might have found it a bit discombobulating to be which which version am I? Mm. Where, where was I? Yes, is this Is this any of the previous Third Doctors? Mm. The new nine, 1983 Third Doctor. But mm. so he, it does seem more of a pastiche of um, what we remember mm. than than the second. Yes,
2: and he obviously has to be a but late. It, oh. He obviously has to be a late one in order to, yeah. if we're talking within story logic, <laughs> in order to know
0: Sarah Jane. But um, oh, that's not. That's, let's not get yeah, into that. No, no. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, he's he. It's the last time that he's recognizable. You know, he's, he's sort of physically the same kind of uh, of doctor, I guess. You know, by the time we you get to uh, dimensions in time, he's he's he's, he's, he's considerably older. Mm. But, yeah. And and the two radio stories, he doesn't sound yes.
1: sound the same. Unfortunately,
0: no. are we are we getting close to sort of winding up? Has anyone um, got a, a, another significant point they want to make?
1: I was just I was just going to say with regard to the the
2: um the remaining you know, the the Gallifrey business yeah and one one minor very minor nitpicky point is that apparently that you know and you only know it from there being a there there being a line to um to explain something. Uh, there is apparently a power drain in the capital going on. They're experiencing power drain again, and um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but it's not it's not vendors as well on screen as it is in the as it is in the three doctors. You don't it doesn't really put ac- mm. put across the idea that there's something something weird going on that's affecting them. But then that's part of the whole no, um, God. the unfortunate yeah you know, the unfortunate staticness of the. We're just stuck yeah. in their bloody conference, rooms the conference time. room the
1: conference room scenes. Expect to see one of those yeah. eight-way, eight-way telephones in the middle, don't mm, you? Yes. We've got the master on speakerphone. Is that all right? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. In, so in in seventy three, it's Jeff, the, it's the can energy make crisis, it. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but the, in, in eighty three, it's presumably it's Scargill's miners' mm. strike that's <laughs> the I don't know. <laughs> and
2: the other thing I was going to say. Is it falls down a bit although I think yeah, um that's interesting what you were saying about Terence's campaign to rehabilitate Borusa. Um mm. <laughs> and um and Sayward coming up with, you know, Saywood apparently having come up with the idea of well what if it's somebody else? The only problem with that is that then it does a it does unfortunately reduce down to being a who done it with only one suspect in the capital yes. once you've
1: Yep. They should have Yeah. They should have introduced, if not any other physical suspects, at least the idea of perhaps some other figure that we hear mm. about, maybe a mythological figure. Mm-hmm. That would, wouldn't have required any e- too much explanation. Mm. But that is one thing I have to thank Eric for. I do like the Barusa mm. element. It is unexpected. I like this version. Philip mm. Latham, do we think? Philip Latham, yes. Latham. Yeah, yeah mm. I'm very fond of it. I know not. Mm. Apparently not everybody is. I can't imagine why anybody wouldn't. But he had such a lovely touch of pathos and a slight disconnection from reality mm-hmm. when he's cradling his game pieces it's a game mm. within a game it really sells the idea to mm. me
2: but the um yeah I was just going to say the other thing is that the um the, the, the death of the castellan and the um the dodgy um guard commander who's clearly um who's clearly in, in on it or appears to be mm. like oh I'm just you know, he's obviously taking orders you know, a bit where it was clearly resisting US kind of zone, and that yes. that just started to feel all of that all of that stuff started to take on somewhat alarming, like resonances of the present day stuff. You know, with wanting to be president eternal, and um, hmm. you know, a little bit of politics. <laughs> hmm. It's just like you know, you just think, oh, oh God, yeah, okay, right, yeah, and obviously, famously, yeah. Deadly Assassin is well, um, I guess
1: I'm, they they should have pushed that a bit further. It should have been more of, like classical, like uh, the Roman emperors who want to become gods mm, rather than just emperors. Yes, yeah. What President Turner is rather uh, low key for for Time Lord mm. if he's really unhinged. Oh, and again, that brings oh, well, there you are then. What a, what a point to end on. <laughs> it brings us back to three Doctors where Omega is ranting. Oh, yes. mm, I shouldn't have been a hero. I should have I been a should god. Should have been a god. Yes. Yes. See, they knew that these stories need a mythic scale, but uh, it's slightly lacking here. But that's the 80s for you. Mm. It's a bit more technical and a bit more. Yes, if I do this, I'll get extra regenerations, mm. and I can stay in my present political position.
2: Mm.
1: Okay. <laughs> Great mm. Yeah. Yes. They are. I link. I link the two together, so we can go home. Very nice
2: with. indeed. Can I also say something that links the two together? Sort of in that both of these stories end with an attempt to do a new setup of the show, of yes. the, a restatement yes. of the show, and an, and an attempt to something of an attempt to shift the status quo. Though it's rather, oh, you yes. know, it's you know the the Three dots does it and does it subtly because there's a it doesn't oversell it, but it's you know it changes how things. It's a big moment, but it's operate.
1: undersold the way it's presented. Yes, yeah. yeah. It's important um, in terms of...
2: Yeah. Whereas here, it's oversold when it's basically the same, you know, because yeah. there isn't really a change in the it's, status quo. It's kind of meaningless. <laughs>
1: exactly. I, I yeah. never really understood that. It's, that's um, that's bad contrived. Mm. Yeah. Just so that he can... Yes. You can link it back to 1963 in a way which it doesn't really...
2: Yes. And if you want to... Um, and just to throw it forward to the next episode, when we reunite, it's still... yes course it's the same thing that happened in 2013 and you i believe they um yes there they do a massive reset and then proceed to throw it away in in the course (laughs) of about um 18 months afterwards in my in my humble opinion
1: Hmm. Mm. but there you go never carve anything in five foot letters and a on the side of a mountain in Mm. doctor who because it won't stay (laughs) somebody will come along and uh, and muck it up Mm. and spray graffiti over it before too long
0: as soon as your back's turned i mean it feels possibly as if terence Dix sets up the end of that as you know as as a nice little joke you know of course that's how it all started Mm. and then maybe it gets a bit overplayed in the in the acting i don't know it certainly does feel like it's a bit Fry and lorry by the time they've done it you know it's all a bit kind of (laughs) arch and a bit ironic
1: Mm. I think you can tell they've all been told to sell it because it's the end of the episode I mean poor Janet Fielding with her you mean you're deliberately choosing to go on the run (laughs) just hitting this joke over the head Mm. so that we all make sure we all get it (laughs) yeah Uh, happy days Mm. excellent Well, go on Giles,
2: no, no. I was just wondering whether there's anything more we can learn from comparing these two. Yeah, you know, comparing these two and and I get, I guess it's it's a trite observation we've we've already made it really that these two stories reflect. You know, in in keeping with the you know the the alleged purpose of this podcast. You know, I guess these two stories do reflect Doctor Who at two very different. Eras of its, you know, yeah. albeit you know, both think, both within the classic series.
1: I think Five Doctors is the more impressive achievement because it could so easily have gone wrong. It could so easily mm. have been as superficial as the um, as the impulses behind its creation. But luckily, Terence Dix mm. to, to, and the actors involved all raised their game and gave yeah. us something which actually <laughs> which actually de- delivered mm. on its crowd pleasing impulses and. I don't know. I think gives us more
0: than we goes what we deserve, but more than we could have expected.
2: Yeah, mm. nicely put, I think.
0: And it's—I mean—it's—it's it's possibly the high, the high spot for the show. I mean, it—it—it it, it, in that run, it never really regains that. I mean, it, there are there are certainly parts of season twenty-one that are that are excellent, but then it's, it feels like after that, it's on a it's on a downward slope. I mean, you might argue perhaps that the. Uh, the present runs had the same thing since um, twenty thirteen, but let's leave that for another time.
1: Has anyone heard the five doc- the uh, the five companions? The big finish story.
0: Yes, I can't remember it though. Hmm. Uh, no, I can't say.
1: It's like a sort of pocket universe within this story. The um, <laughs> five additional companions that we didn't get to see in the TV version have an adventure because they've got they've also got stuck in by. To, in the time scoop. Oh. I think okay. it's um I think it's Stephen Sarah Kingdom. Oh god I can't remember now. Ian? Is it interested in? Yes it is. Nissa. Anyway, it's rather good. <laughs> oh, okay. It's rather good. One of yeah, yours? I'm, pl- I'm plugging this. No, the, the, very, the excellent Eddie Robson. Uh-huh. I'm plugging this, despite the fact you can't go out and get it, because it was, a, it was a subscriber bonus special. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. No, so having have whetted your it. appetite, sorry, you can't have it. <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> I, was just, I was just idly daydreaming about the people yeah. we didn't get to see. Mm. I'd been daydreaming about, well, I mean, we really should have had Ian and Barbara. Mm. I suppose not instead of Susan. But we should have had them as well as Susan. Mm. But that, alongside the whole problem of the first Doctor's character, that era was just forgotten, wasn't it? I mean, they were there for two thirds of the first yeah. Doctor's eras. So they mm. really are, as emblo- more emblematic of it than Susan. Mm. But who would have known that?
0: Mm.
1: It was twenty years ago. No one was
0: alive then. <laughs> well, I mean, it is. You know, we have to face the fact that. In t- 1983, even seasoned fans didn't really remember. No, and we and we, and we didn't. No. Well, I mean, there there were of course Dwas tapes around, but most fans didn't didn't have access to that. So it was, you know it's pretty much limited to the target books and the few things that we'd actually seen in the Five Faces and so on. Mm. I don't want to be greedy. I mean, I, I think I would have been happy if they'd just appeared. If we'd had
1: an extra ghost scene in the corridors of the of yeah. the tower the first sure. doctor could have run a, up against some ghosts yeah, as yeah. well as the as as 2 and 3 and it could have yeah, been Ian and Barbara and would he could have be said nice. yeah there you go oh sorry to end on a wistful note mm. <laughs> i still like what we got
0: I mean, like so in a
1: bubble wrap in a bubble wrap dress that was
0: good yeah 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 uh. okay well look thanks thanks for that thanks for your thoughts uh that's the first half of our anniversary podcast oh my word i know can you imagine that we, we could do another half <laughs> anyway um, thankfully not tonight it'll be short
1: when's the second half in 10 years <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: well of course we haven't scheduled it yet mm. so we'll have to see
1: well goodbye from me
0: <laughs> is, is it bye from him as well i'm just going to leave you hanging <laughs> No, <laughs> and it's goodbye from me oh fantastic which means it must be uh, goodbye from me as well so uh, yeah thanks for listening to us and uh, we look forward to having you the next time we get together. Having you? That's terrible <laughs> <laughs> You might be looking forward to that Rich, I was, I'm was perfectly happy to just
1: have them as listeners Grim <laughs> <laughs>
0: great well that'll do thanks very much <laughs> um, gotta work I'll on these endings I'll, I'll stop I'll, I'll stop recording that now and uh, yeah. before it becomes a two-hour horror show